You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Yes, Enjoy. Let's grab a hold of everything Jesus has for us this morning. Hallelujah. Here we are, Lord, and here you are. This is wonderful. Woo, to be in your presence, your glory in us. Thank you for your glory manifesting our lives and in this place this morning. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Speak, minister, set free, make whole. That's who you are and that's what you do. Hallelujah. So we give our whole person to you. We thank you in place of despair and fear. We've got confidence and and certainty and hope and joy. And we thank you, Lord, that you've made us new people, new creatures that this world has never seen. Sons and daughters of God, reborn from death into life, darkness into light, taken out from the kingdom of darkness and brought into your perfect love, the kingdom of the the Son of God. We've turned from the power of darkness to the power of light, and we're never going back. We're new creations in you, and we thank you. It's a new day in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. You have to plug in when you come, okay? This is something we're all doing together. This is not my church by any stretch of the imagination. This is our body, our church, right? Jesus called us, and he's gathering us together. He's building this family in this region of our nation. So it's us, right? We're doing this together. So when we come, we're fully expecting God to meet us and, and do whatever needs to be done in our lives, to meet every need abundantly. And, and you know, the world makes, makes you think that your life is complicated. But when you come to God, you realize how simple the answer is. Just believe. Just believe. Just trust Him. I'm amazing how, how Satan will try and discourage us. You know, he'll, he'll whisper things to you. And you're going through your day, you know, your mind's on other things. There's just little whispers of darkness kind of trying to tell you uh, what, what your future is going to be like and why so-and-so is not going to work out and why this is not going to happen. And then you get your mind on Jesus and, and those voices just kind of whimper and die. And you realize how powerful your father is. How far-reaching his love is. His love is already in 2020 fixing and, and, and changing and straightening. And, and he's already made a way for you in 2020. There are things flowing into your life in 2020 that you haven't yet dreamed of. Good things from the throne of heaven. Good things that were purchased for you through the resurrection of Christ, God's son. Hallelujah. The message today is called Yes. Si, Señor. Yes. It's what everyone wants to hear from God. It doesn't matter if you've ever gone to church, if you don't even believe in God, or or you, you whatever you wherever you're from, whatever your current condition. If we'll just get quiet, 
shut off our phones and stop listening to the news media and just be alone and listen to the voice deep inside of us, every human being is longing for God's affirmation. What does God really think of me? Some people are afraid to even ask that question. I get that. I used to be. Will he ever help me? Will he heal me? Will he forgive me? What's the answer to these questions? Season yarn. Will he love you? What's the answer? Tomorrow? Completely? Continually? Forever? (laughs) Yes. Yes. God's yes is over your life. Jesus Christ is God's yes. Jesus is God's public declaration to the world that he says yes to you. That he affirms you being you. That the creation of you is his idea, not man's. Jesus is God's yes to your destiny. Jesus is God's yes to the person God made you to be before you were in your mother's womb. Now, since the fall of man, man has been trying to somehow figure out how to get a yes from God. And we think that, that there's a, a, if we can do enough good things, that maybe on a certain day, God will just, you know, flip us a quick yes and maybe answer a prayer or two. Since Adam rejected God and separated himself from God, man has been trying to get back to God. Now, listen, we're not, we're not religious here. So you're going to have to just be real with me. I'm not talking about religion per se. I'm talking about human beings on planet Earth. No matter where you're from or what you believe without ever reading the Bible or ever coming to a church, if you'll just get quiet with your soul, we inherently know that we were made for more than what this world can offer us. We know it. We know there is much more than what our senses are telling us. We know that we're missing something. All of the world's religions were born out of man's trying to get to know and seek God. All of them. And it's sad because knowing God was never meant to be a mystery. It's easy. But all of the man's, all of man's uh, 
philosophies and the religions of the world have grown out of this man seeking to somehow, hopefully, know God and get a yes from God. And man, in the Old Testament, you'll see some major confusion on the part of man. Doesn't mean we don't read it. We learn a lot from the Old Testament, right? From, from everything prior to Christ. There's a lot to be learned in there, but you have to keep it in context. You have to understand it was a whole different time that we're not in right now, that we'll never be in again. We're under a new covenant, okay? But you'll see people saying things about God that just aren't true. See, the Bible records everything accurately, whether it's the Bible is true, but not every statement in the Bible is true. You understand what I'm saying? You'll see bad attitudes in here. Are you following me? It's God's word. It's accurately written and truth, but it truly records some dumb things people did. Are you following me? You've got to understand that when you read the Bible. People say, what's well, in the Bible? Well, that, that doesn't mean anything per se. Are you understanding the context of what you just read and what you're saying is in the Bible. And a lot, of people talk, a lot of people tag those words on the end of something, like what's one, um, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible? Nope. There's lots of things like that. People just saw oh, it's in the, uh-uh, it's not in there. We couldn't help ourselves. That's why he sent Jesus, right? We need a savior. That's in the Bible. <laughs> So there's a lot of confusion prior to Christ. But Christ came to completely remove all confusion about God from your life. Christ came to completely remove all confusion about God's nature and will for your life. He came so that you can personally know him. So that you can intimately taste and see him every day. Every day. Without hindrance and interruption. You see, Christ came to make God's nature... God's will, vivid, bright, and clear. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. And this freaks religion out because religion is not vivid, bright, and clear. It's confusing. It's murky. It's cloudy. It's hazy. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, as Christ uh, has just come out of, of Satan trying to stop him in the desert, Satan trying to, to take him down before he begins his ministry, well, he, he triumphs over the enemy, and he comes out, and he, he's about to begin his ministry, and, and Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 says this about him. Let's put it up there. It says, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, 
light is sprung up. What is going on here? So where, where is this darkness the people are sitting in? Were they in a, a dark room developing photos? Planet Earth. Planet Earth is dark. The people on planet Earth saw great light, which sat in the region and shadow of death. Where is the region and shadow of death? Not Pittsburgh. Where's Jonathan? Right? We got a bond here. It's just, you have to pardon us. Not, where is the region and shadow of death? Earth includes Pittsburgh. But planet Earth, right? Earth is the place of death. This is the shadow of death. Remember what David said? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, even though I'm living in this world, I will fear no evil. Why? You're with me. Your rod and your staff protect and defend me. Earth is a dark, evil place. Don't get mad. It's true. If you think it is, you're living, uh, you're, you're, you're denying, re if you think it's not, you're denying reality. Dark, evil things happening on this planet every day. But the people living on planet Earth saw a great light come into the Earth about 2,000 years ago, and this light sprung up. And if we go to John 8, verse 12, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, what is he talking about? What is Jesus the light of? Jesus is the light that enables us to see and know God clearly. You can't see and know God clearly without the light of Christ. You can't. You can read the Bible all you want, but if you don't have the light of Christ, you're never going to see and know God clearly. It's the light of Christ that enables us to understand the Bible. So history, I, I like studying history. We don't want to ignore history or try and erase and change history. So sad what uh, some are trying to do in school systems. Trying to take books from the past and, and edit them and take things out. That's wrong. That makes weak people who are afraid of being offended. Love is not easily offended. Love is not touching. We need to look back at the past with the light of Christ and learn from it. We're not afraid of what's gone before us. We're not trying to cover it up. How did man become separated from God? How'd that happen? By listening to the wrong voices. And political correctness is the wrong voice for you to listen to. 
It will make you weak and easily upset. The wisdom of man is so sad. So sad. Religion, religious correctness will mess you up. It's time to know Jesus. So, so man stepped into the dark by listening to the wrong voices. Right? In Genesis chapter 3, he, he began to listen to voices from Satan that were telling him things about God's nature and will that weren't true. And those same voices are in the earth today trying to tell you things about God's nature and will that aren't true. And if you listen to them, you're going to be in the dark. But this is nothing new to us, right? We're, we're, we're students of Christ. We're disciples of his. And we, we study to show ourselves approved in the scriptures, right? We're renewing, we're renewing our minds. We're changing our thinking. We're bringing our, our soul under the subjection of our spirit. We're new creations in him. And I want to tell you something. If you, how many have read the book of Galatians in the New Testament? Read Galatians. This week. Why? It's an excellent book that illustrates what I'm talking about. In Galatians, this is New Testament now, right? Christ has already risen. He's already ascended to the Father. Paul's now ministering, who wasn't one of the original 12, but Christ appeared to him personally and gave him the revelation of the finished work of Christ. But in Galatians, this wrong idea about God is trying to creep into the church. That we have to earn his yes. And Paul says something in Galatians chapter 3. He says, you foolish Galatians, verse 1, who has bewitched you? How did man uh, leave light and enter into darkness? By listening to the voice of darkness. Satan. Where's witchcraft from? Satan. Right? Dark voices. Paul says, who's bewitched you? What were the voices they were listening to in Galatians? They were saying you had to be circumcised to be saved. They were saying you can't celebrate certain days or you have to celebrate these certain days. You can't eat this. You better not eat that. You have to eat this. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Dark voices. What's wrong? And boy, it's, it's just funny. People get all uptight about holidays, even birthdays. Well, we don't do that. Okay, listen, if you'll read the New Testament and Galatians and, and Romans, Paul talks about, he says, don't let anyone judge you for what day you choose to celebrate or for what you choose to eat. You do what you do unto God. I love putting a tree in my house at Christmas time. There are Christians that think that's of the devil. Darkness. Listen, God made trees. And he's my father, and I like looking at him. I like smelling him. I'm going to stick one in my house. I don't care if you like it or not. I know the history 
uh, of uh, uh, the festival of Shammah, December 25th, and all that and stuff. But that, see, to the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1.15, I think. Is it 15 or 14? It's in Titus. <laughs> to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are unbelieving, they're afraid. You can't do that. Don't do that. We saw online, Jennifer sharing that, people were saying you shouldn't blow leaves on the road, it's dangerous. <laughs> blow the leaves out of your yard under the road. Fear, 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 fear. You can't do anything. You gotta put a helmet on before you leave your house. <laughs> Darkness. Darkness. Don't do that, don't touch this, that'll hurt you, this'll kill you, that, that's all darkness. We're walking in the light of life. Yes, we're walking in the light of life. Hallelujah. Sure, there are some, some cults and, and even Christian churches that have all kinds of doctrines about what days you should celebrate and what days you shouldn't. I couldn't keep up with the one I grew up in. It's like every day is another something day. I was like, I don't know. I, what am I going to win? How are you going to keep up with this? And you're supposed to do this on that day. And I said, sorry. I just, I can't, I can't hang. <laughs> I can't do it. Darkness puts a weight on you you can't carry. And that's what they were doing in Galatia. And Paul's rebuking them. And he says, who's bewitched you? Getting you into this don't touch, don't celebrate, don't eat kind of thing. You know what they call Jesus? A drunkard and a glutton. You know what they call John the Baptist? What did they call him? It's the opposite of that. What did they call him? Uh, uh, yeah, he came eating locusts and wild honey, and they had a problem with him, right? Then Jesus comes eating and drinking. First miracle turns water into wine. What would happen if a minister did that today? Church has function. Pastor turns water into wine. The church would have, the world would be excited. The church would have a problem with it, right? It's, it's a, listen, you see wine in the Bible? Jesus drank wine. He, he did. His first miracle, the, the religious police hate this. His first miracle, he turned H2O into wine, which has alcohol in it. It's fermented grapes. And he drank it. Man. Listen, that's all things. It didn't have a hold on him. He didn't have a hold on him. He never got drunk. Never. Never. He never let his flesh control him. He never let his soul control him. He walked in the spirit. See, your spirit is where the power is. And what all these religious voices will do, they'll get you to be in the flesh. And you're trying to overcome these things, but you're thinking in, in a fleshly way, and it's a dead end. Wine has no hold on us. No physical thing has any hold on us. Because we walk in the spirit. I'll never be drunk with any alcoholic drink. Never. I will be drunk daily with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm purposed to be intoxicated every day with the Holy Spirit. I'm a Holy Spirit-aholic. <laughs> but I will never allow a substance to tell me what to do. Never. Because it has no life there for me. Alcohol has nothing for me. A Christmas tree has nothing for me. Right? A steak has nothing for me. But I can have all those things. See, it's good to be free. When nothing is controlling you, but you're walking in the spirit of God. This is what Christ came. So that you could be empowered to be free. And nothing in this world has a hold on you. And religion will actually cause the opposite to happen. It'll put you in darkness and bondage. So in medieval times, we're studying history right now that our children are, are in the medieval times. And man, oh man, was it dark. The medieval times. Now you understand, just because history books call something the church doesn't necessarily mean it's the church. In medieval times, there is a very large Roman church. They called it the church. But by, biblically speaking, the church are those who are born again. You understand that? Right? From a biblical. So if someone's not born again, they can have robes on and, and, and carry scepters and incense and have a huge cathedral, but they're not the church. Just being real. I remember how shocked I was the first time I read the Bible at 19 or 20, and I, and I saw Paul referring to the people he's writing to as saints. I was like... <laughs> Huh? Is he, he's either writing to statues or I don't understand something here. I, come on, let's just be real. Let's get into life. I was taught that a saint was someone that some council in another country had to meet on and decide if this person was worthy of sainthood. And if they got the stamp, they were considered a saint. That's what I knew. I read the Bible and found out that a saint is someone who's put their faith in Christ and got God's stamp. The moment you put your faith in Christ, you are approved completely, perfectly, eternally. The moment you believe, So in the medieval times, whoo-wee, what, what the book's calling the church was wearing people out. As they would tell them, you know, for all those relatives who are in purgatory right now, if you want to increase their chances to get to heaven, you need to give us five of your sheep. Or you need to pay us this sum of money. And buildings were built on this blood money evil. Just being real. So the Bible, you will not find purgatory in the Bible. I didn't plan on going into this stuff. I'm just telling you, God wants you free. You won't find purgatory in the scriptures. The very idea of it is a dishonoring of all that Christ did for us. If Christ paid full price for your sins, was tortured and crucified for you, descended into hell and endured the full wrath of God and rose from the dead on the third day, and that's not enough, good luck. Yeah. 
I don't want anything to do with it. If now I've got to go sit in some waiting room for who knows how long, I don't want any part of that philosophy. Christ didn't teach that. It's not in the scriptures. That's man's work mentality to try and manipulate you and keep you in bondage. Now, man oftentimes is sincere in their ignorance. So we're not putting man down, but we're putting down dark ideas that man has promoted. Because Satan is our enemy. Okay? Read Galatians this week. So powerful. So what you got to understand as we're going forward into 2020 here, that people have had it with religion. They've had it. Me too. Me too. But you look what happened in the medieval times. They were laying these weights on people that they just couldn't carry. And you know what that led to? The people just said, I've had it. And it led to a philosophy called humanism. Which is ruling over people's lives now. Many people. They said, we can't, get, we, we, we can't do this. We, I mean, God, we don't understand God. The weights he's laying on us. He, they thought because these people were saying, we're the church. They thought God was like that. Listen, it's good to walk away from wrong ideas about God. But don't walk away from God. You need to walk away from wrong ideas about God, run from them even, but don't run from him, run to him. But they didn't know any better because these people were saying, we're the church and what we say is right. So as a result, they, they turned away from all that and said, we don't want God, we're going to believe in ourselves. We're going to make man the center of our thinking. That's what humanism is. It's human answers, human focus. Man is now the center of the universe. And the devil from that focus has, has trapped so many people and has put so many people in bondage. Humanism cannot help anyone because we all need help from God. And man is not the center of the universe. God is. God has no beginning. Now, as far as God is concerned, you're the apple of his eye. Isn't it amazing with all the people in the world that you talk to God and it's as if you are the only human being on the planet? That's how much he cares for you. You have his full attention all the time. I don't know how he does that, but he does. You've got God's, you'll never be put on hold with God. He doesn't have voicemail. Doesn't have it. As soon as you open your mouth, he's there. He was there before. So here we are now in 2019, coming to 2020. Now, we're the church, those who are born again, right? If you're born again, put your faith in Christ, you could be living in Siberia and the only person in your town, but you're the church, right? No building, you just live in a, 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 a home, but you're the church. Everywhere you go, you're the church, right? This is a warehouse, but we're the church. Are you following me? Why are we the church? The church is the ecclesia, right? Those who are called out for a purpose. Called out from what? The world's way of thinking. 
called out from these dark ideas and man's religious philosophies into a relationship with God. And there are many who won't come to a, to a, a quote-unquote church like this because they've had it with what they call organized religion. This is not organized religion. These are people following. We're people coming together to worship the, our Father and to know Him more. But it takes people a while to realize that you can even come to a place like this. In this area, my goodness, back in the, the, the beginnings of our country, the Church of Boston was a horrible place. Some of the harshest legalism you could ever imagine in that church. And they, they were the, the uh, church, basically the Church of England, Puritan Church. And, and actually, I'm not sure if they even moved to, you know, the, the, the pilgrims who came were not Puritans, right? There were those who were trying to purify the English church, and there were those who wanted to separate from it. Well, the pilgrims wanted to separate from it. But the church in Boston didn't. And they had rule after rule after rule. You play ball on the Sabbath, that's punishment. So-and-so saw you bouncing a ball on the Sabbath. Is that true? Guilty. Who can, who can live like that? Who, who can carry that kind of weight? No one. No one. That's not God. So what was the response to that? In Massachusetts. Right? Yeah, he did. He got kicked out is what happened. He didn't agree with it. But what's the, what do we see now? See, you can force a generation into that kind of stuff. You can make people afraid with your self-proclaimed authority, and you can get people to comply for several generations. But sooner or later, there's going to be a generation that rejects it and says, I don't want anything to do with this. And unfortunately, what happens is they walk away from God instead of the wrong ideas about God. And then they go into humanism, and we see the results of that today in our state. Humanistic philosophies that, that, that don't set anyone free. So we're going to do everything we can to bring people back to the real living God who loves them perfectly. Hallelujah. We want people to know that God loves them, that God made them, and he affirms them, that he's the author who decided to create them. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. So I need your help. Please do not create your own version of God. I remember we got to Rhode Island and back in 95 and met all kinds of different Christians. And they, one Christian gave us these newsletters from a ministry in Florida that was telling us all the evils of holidays and how you can't, you can't celebrate this holiday. And you, can't, and, and you shouldn't go to a church. You should have church in your home. And I understood where every philosophy came from. And I, they, were, you know, they used different scriptures, and I understand where they're coming from, but I understood it was wrong because I knew the word. Give you an example. One, one guy, to, and he, he was a self-proclaimed minister and had a church in his home. He said, you know, they, read the Bible. They, didn't, they, they met in homes. They had churches in homes. 
well, I had actually read the Bible by that point many times. So, and, I, and I didn't say anything to him. I just knew he wasn't even interested in changing. But if you actually read the scriptures, right, God separated his people out from a nation and brought them into a tabernacle in the wilderness. You want to talk about church. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Jesus, first of all, before that, he went to the synagogue regularly. In the book of Acts, they met in the temple daily. This is Acts, New Testament. Already baptized the Holy Spirit. After the bath, they met the, and they met in homes. See, you're not all caught up about a building. We, this has got to be, this is, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ. How are we going to fit in your house? Come on. I don't care what size it is. You're going to fit the body of your Christ in your home? No. Listen, God wants to do things in the earth. We have to have corporate gatherings. They had them daily in Acts. When, when did that change? When persecution broke out against the church. They're, they're dragging believers off into prison. Then they scattered and they had to meet secretly and privately lest they be arrested. Is that the case in America? No. That's why they scattered. Okay? It's good to read the scriptures for yourself. And don't try and change them to make it fit what you think. That's when you close the door to what God wants to do in your life. And boy, have Christians done that. I'm going to read this book and make it fit my philosophy and then preach that. <laughs> now, why don't we have to do that? Because Christ came. We don't have to create our own version of God. Christ has come. He's he set the record straight about who God is and his will for our lives. So what I need to do is just, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts and let Christ be God to me. In other words, take him as he is. Put my faith in him. Listen, and, and I know that the Bible is the most criticized book in the world, bar none, and, and, and governments have tried to banish it and burn it, but it's still here. You can't get rid of this book. But if you'll study just from a practical historical point of view, and a great book I recommend uh, by a man who is uh, set out to prove God isn't real and to disprove the scriptures, Josh McDowell, he ended up writing two volumes of books called Evidence That Demand a Verdict. If you want to learn about how this book was actually put together, and now both of those volumes are in one volume, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, but you'll learn historically that there is no writing that has the, the manuscripts to verify its authenticity like the New Testament. None. You, you take all the classical pieces of literature and roll them all together, whether you're talking about Plato, Socrates, Shakespeare, none of them have the volume of manuscripts. So I'm, talking, I'm talking about make-believe. I'm talking about physical manuscripts that verify the accuracy of the New Testament. It's supernatural, this book, okay? But I bring that up because it, it's a relief to know that Christ is in here, that I don't have to listen to anybody. I can read this on my own and let the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to me. Now, thank God when you find a good teacher like this guy, Joseph Prince, man, he'll save you Years of searching and questioning. 
He's just teaching the scriptures. That's just one of many, Andrew Womack, Kent Copeland, uh, you know, the, the list goes on of excellent teachers. But still, this book gives us the clear picture of God's nature and will in the ministry of Jesus. Let's just look at a few scriptures and let's look at God's yes in action. Okay, Matthew 4.23. Now, we're not going to try and change Jesus. In fact, at Highway Church, we want Jesus just as he is without altering him at all. That was my prayer at 17 before I was born again. I said, God, I want to know who you are, not who my church says you are. Shouldn't have to pray that prayer, but I needed to. Because my church was telling me things that were wrong. And I didn't know the scriptures, but I said, God can't be this heavy. He can't be this cold and distant. Something's wrong here. So I'd take walks by myself sometimes, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock, midnight, out on a golf course, just talk to God. Say, God, I need to know who you are, not who man says you are. Well, here's, here's God. Jesus is God, right? We can agree on that, right? And he's revealed himself to the world. And we have a written record of it. Matthew 4.23, and Jesus went about all Galilee. That's the region where he was. What did he do? Teaching in their synagogues. Church was a regular habit of his. Went there regularly. That's, that's why I do it. But it's got to be a church that gives me fresh hot Jesus. I'm not playing any games. I don't have any candles to light. I've got a life to live. I've got a God who loves me. Who gave his son that I'd be whole. teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news. Let's de-religify de that word gospel. It means good news. Okay? Preaching the good news of the kingdom. So it's all good. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. I like this verse, and there's, a, there's another verse in Matthew, and we're going to look at one in Acts, because it summarizes the ministry of Jesus. This is what he did for three plus years before he was crucified. He went teaching in church, traveled from place to place, entered the church, began teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. This is God. Don't change him in your mind. This is who he is. Acts 10.38, another summary verse of the ministry of Christ. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power 
who went about. Same went about in Matthew 4.23. In other words, this is what he did. He went about doing good. That's a wonderful word. What does good mean? Yeah, it means good, right? I don't know. Someone look it up. What does good mean? (laughs) Good means profitable, beneficial, healing, helpful. Things that make your life better. That's what good is. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by who? Ooh, he's the light of the world, isn't he? Where does oppression come from? The devil. Where does sickness come from? The devil. Well, it came through the curse of sin, but the devil takes advantage of that and uses it, right? Went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It will change your life when you see sickness as oppression from the devil. You won't research it on Google anymore. You'll rebuke it. You'll refuse to allow it to operate in your life for a moment. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So the oppression of the devil affects your health. Right? As far as Jesus of Nazareth, why did he do all of this? For God was with him was with Jesus. God the Father was with God the Son. In other words, God the Father was revealing his nature through his Son. Right? Everything Jesus did shined a, a, a big fat spotlight on God and made his nature and will, will very vivid and clear and bright. What's his will? To teach you about his love for you to teach you about his redemption, about the new creation you become when you put your faith in him, to heal you of all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, to bring good things into your life that benefit you and make your life better. That's God's will for you. Man, I wish I would have heard that in the church I grew up in. So so to seal all of this, and we can look at a number of scriptures, for time's sake, let's go to Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Then why are there churches trying to change him and teach people that God put a sickness on you to teach you something? Where is that in the ministry of Jesus? It's not there. It's not there because it's not God. That's a a philosophy of man that came from a devil. God hates sickness. It's never his plan for you. It never comes from him. He has none to give you. He doesn't work with the devil. They have no agreement together. He's not on God's payroll. Satan is an enemy to God, and because he's an enemy to God, he's an enemy to you, and sickness is his territory. 
But if you're not grounded in the reality of that, Satan can play with you and put things on you, and you're going to think somehow there's some divine purpose in it. How can you walk in divine health if the one who is divine is the one making you sick? Boy, it's just time to be real and stop promoting these ungodly doctrines. I remember going to a big gathering in Taunton years ago. A number of churches from the area came together and, and, you know, singing worship songs, and that was fine. And then someone steps on the mic and says, I'm so thankful that God put this sickness on me. It's been such a blessing. It's taught me humility, all your different. I thought, dear God, I'm never coming to this thing again. <laughs> On a microphone, PA system, for all the people walking by in the area there to hear. And she named the sickness and says, so glad God gave this to me. You know, and now I understand certain things. And what that is is a person trying to cope with something dark in their life. They don't have the truth, so they've got to somehow justify. Right? Well, maybe, you know, there must be some kind of divine purpose in this. And that's humanism. And this is what the body of Christ has done. They'll take dark things and try and justify it and give it some God purpose. And you can't do that if you're going to stay with Jesus. People will do that with tragedies or the loss of a loved one. They'll say, well, you know, how many times have we heard at a funeral, God took them home, you know, 12-year-old child, 35-year-old, 65-year-old. God took them home. No, he didn't take them home. God doesn't plant people in some garden in heaven. What kind of goofy thinking is that? I've never been a flower. I never will be. People are not flowers, and people aren't angels. Where'd that come from? The Bible says we're going to judge angels. They're our servants. God didn't make man in the pattern of an angel. God didn't make angels in his image. He made us in his image. All these goofy ideas that it's just man trying to figure things out. We don't need that anymore. We need to let Christ define life for us. When you'll look to Christ and, okay, so, and I had a lot of sickness in my life. When I came to understand these things, I thought, I've been robbed. I am not going to allow these things in my life anymore. And I went from submitting to them to standing up against them and thank God. God for what he's done through Jesus Christ. I've been healed of every one of them. Jesus is God's yes to you. Does he love you? Will he heal you? Has he already healed you? You just need to realize it. He's already forgiven you. He's already healed you. You just need to become strong in that reality by changing your thinking. That takes time. I still am changing my thinking. I still have to be aware of wrong thoughts. Because the devils can be very clever. And he can use uh, sophisticated language and studies. 
This study's just been released, and it shows that if you have these symptoms, you have this. Really? I must have that. This study's been released. In fact, all that red, that's a study that's been released that says you're healed. A study was done on Jesus in hell, and God said, I've studied him. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your diseases. He bore your curse, and with the stripes that wounded my son, you're healed. That's the study I'm going with. Yes! 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 Man, oh man. Listen, we're all longing for God's yes in our life. We're all longing for his unhindered approval and affirmation of us. And Jesus is that. Boy, I was hoping I'd get to some scriptures here. Uh, Well, let's do it. We got a couple more. You okay? Hey. Yes. I like You're affirming me. Thank you. (laughs) So we'll just just, uh, get a summary of John chapter 8. Remember we went over verse 12. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. That scripture really becomes powerful when you look at the context of it, as all scripture does. What did he say that? What was the context of him making such a statement? The woman caught in adultery. Come on, let's enter in. John chapter 8, I'm just going to summarize. You can read it later. Verses 1 through 12 are the verses that we're looking at. But what happens? The religious know-it-alls are trying to trap Jesus because he's ruining their business. He's taking all their customers. So they say, let's trap him. Let's, Let's... Let's, I don't know, maybe they paid that woman. I don't know. But somehow they arranged this situation and they catch this woman in adultery, is what they said anyway. Who knows what really happened? So they come to him and they say, Master, oh, flattery will get you nowhere with Jesus. He sees right through it. Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Oh, how awful. Oh, See, they're trying to create drama. Jesus doesn't flinch. Now Moses in the law, this is the religious know-it-alls, they've always got scriptures to back up their bondage, right? Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? What are they trying to do? They're trying to publicly discredit him. This will happen when you get free. And you're walking with God. People will try and discredit what you preach and what you know. Amazing the things that people said to me over the years. So they said to this, tempting Jesus, this is verse 6, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus, come on, is he chill or what? He stoops down and with his finger writes on the ground as though he heard them not. Oh, that had to make them mad. They set up this perfect trap for him. 
and he didn't take it. He must be God. You can't trap God. So when they continued asking him, they're getting mad now, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you religious know-it-alls, let him first cast a stone at her. (laughs) And I imagine the Holy Spirit was waiting for Jesus to say that. And he began moving on people's hearts. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone. He didn't walk away. He was the only one qualified to throw that stone. But he was writing on the ground. And the woman standing in the midst, just Jesus and God, what does God think of me, the woman must be thinking? Does he love me? Will he reject me? Will he forgive me? You know the answer to that. So God looked around and saw the woman there, none but the woman. Verse 10, he said unto a woman, where are those thine accusers? So God's not an accuser, is he? If you're being accused, who's that from? Satan. Now, it might not be directly. It might be coming through the mouth of an acquaintance. <laughs> Satan works through people who are under his influence and don't know it. They're not our enemy. He is. But any ac- accusation that's trying to undermine your confidence in God is not from God. Where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. And God said to her, neither do I condemn you. But she was committing adultery, God. Get her. (laughs) That's what the church has preached. Not all the church, but historically, in America, legalism and condemnation has come from far too many pulpits. Far too many. But here's God. Remember, we're patterning ourselves after Jesus. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then, right in the midst of this forgiveness and freedom from sin, he says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light that removes condemnation from your life. I'm the light that enables you to see that accusation is from Satan and not from your father. I'm the light that enables you to go and sin no more and to live in perfect freedom from it. And we'll finish with this verse, 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18. But as surely as God, I like that right there, as surely as God is faithful, Our message at Highway Church to you is not yes and no. Have you ever heard that sometimes yes, sometimes no gospel? (laughs) 
Why is our message not that? Why don't we have throw in some condemning messages every now and then? Because the Son of God, verse 19, Jesus Christ, is not yes and no. He's always been yes. You know what it says? The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, that's Paul, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes to you in Christ. And so through Christ, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirits in our heart as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So religious know-it-alls, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Message translation, verses 20 through 20 through. 22. 20 through 22. I think my batteries are low or something. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. That means every promise God has made from Genesis to Revelation is yours, is yes to you before you even ask. Every promise. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach. This is how we pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together gloriously evident. Verse 21, God affirms us. Making us a sure thing. <laughs> You're a sure thing. Making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for stamping us with a big fat yes that every promise God has made from the first to the last is for us today. That every promise has now become our provision through Jesus Christ. Every promise you've made is now our provision because of Jesus. Wow. Build this reality in our consciousness, Lord. When we study the scriptures, reveal Christ to us. Bring us into these new creation realities that we would run from ungodly ideas and run to you. We would no longer be afraid of what man says, but we would exalt what you say. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.